0: Uh, if you're joining us today for the first time, I've met at least a few people that are. We, we aren't normally outside uh, for our, our our worship gathering, but man, it is it is great to be out here. I, I tell you, for one, I love needing to wear my sunglasses, not just on the way to church, but actually during church. This is This is good. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open up to Matthew uh, chapter 28. There's a couple different verses that we'll look at. um, And it's also printed on this little quarter sheet that was in your bulletin. My name is is Greg, I'm the lead pastor. Um, I don't normally wear a t-shirt to church, but I felt like I'm outside, I can do it today. So uh, I'm taking full advantage of that. Well, I have a buddy, a good friend, I only get to see him about once a year, Um, but he and his family just moved back probably three, four years ago um, from Hawaii. I know we have multiple people that at at one point have lived in Hawaii in our our church. Um, Ryan and his family moved there uh, several years ago to be a part of a church plant. they weren't on staff. They they just had friends that uh, were starting this church plant. And they were invited to be a part of it, so uh, they decided to go over there. They didn't have a uh, a real solid plan exactly as to how they were going to make ends meet. Ryan had a, a business back in the mainland that he was operating re, operating remotely. Um, but but Ryan is he's a hard worker. He is an entrepreneur, so he made it work. And they ended up uh, they wanted to buy a house on the island. They, their plan was to be there for a very very long time so they bought a big house he's got a big family lots of kids Uh, they bought a big big house it actually had a I believe it had a view of the ocean pretty incredible Um, but it was a fixer-upper it needed a ton of work, and, and Ryan and his oldest two boys this time, they were about 10 and 11, uh, they did a lot of work together, and there were different people from the church that would come and help them, uh, but they had a big project one day. They needed to uh, they needed to remove uh, a good chunk of the roofing because they needed to get into, uh, into a beam and, and cut out a section of it and replace it because it, it was rotten. It was failing, it was no good at all. So Ryan had a good friend uh, that is really, really handy, has done all types of construction. So they're up there uh, on this roof. It was metal roofing. The, the lengths, they were 20 feet long. I can't remember how wide they were, but they had to remove several pieces. And his his boys were right up there with him, his 10-year-old and his 11-year-old. And that might sound kind of crazy to you. Like, my I have a 10-year-old. He's in there, so he can't hear me. Um, I wouldn't trust him on a roof. <laughs> I wouldn't trust him with any power tool uh, or even a hammer probably. Um, but that's because I haven't trained him in how to work with tools. This is something they've been doing uh, their, their whole growing up. As soon as as soon as they were even able to pick up a hammer, they were doing that. Well, anyway, they're they're up there. Uh, they get the roofing off. They, they find the, the spot, uh, the beam that they need to cut out. Um, and, and and then they realize, Ryan realized that the spot he was on was actually pretty shaky. So he went down um, and he he wanted to support it a little better, so he got, I think, just a two by four. Um, He got it up there, got it in position, um, and just as he's doing that, his friend says, hey, Ryan, a storm is coming. Right? and they could see in the distance that this rainstorm was coming it, it looked like it was coming pretty fast and it was just dumping rain you could see it in the distance so Ryan rather than secure that 2 by 4 support he thought man we, we don't have time we got we got to get this thing closed back up the the beam was going to have to uh, get fixed a, another day so he gets back up there uh, and and right away uh, that board that was supposed to support him fell out and he had a he had a, another uh, board Board in his hand you could actually see like right through the roof they, they take in uh, what we would call sheathing off and, and you could see straight down into the floor and, and Ryan he, he's he loses balance he falls head first about 12 feet down he drops that board that he had in his hand that board hits the ground it flies back up into his head and, and then he uh, and then he hits the ground with his head he's Bleeding everywhere. I hope you're not squeamish like me. Somehow I can talk about this. Um, he, he hits the ground. Blood is all over. His friend runs down to see how Ryan's doing. He says, Ryan, you got to take off your hat so I can see how bad it is. He, he takes off his hat, and, and you can see to his skull. His friend almost passes out. Ryan helps, ironically, helps his friend, like, come back, too. Um, and, and then the friend's like, we got to get you to the hospital. So his buddy and his boys uh, load him into a truck uh, as this storm's coming. And, and Ryan, just, just as he's getting ready to, as they're ready to close the door on him, he says to his boys, he says, you got to get that roofing back up. You got to seal this thing up. And he take off to the hospital. His 10 and 11-year-old. They get back up there and and put that metal roofing back in place. And and again, I I imagine like my own son, (laughs) my 10-year-old trying to, there's no way. My 17-year-old, he's great. He works hard, but he's never done anything like that. Maybe he could do it. But man, these boys jump back up on that roof. And I I thought about that this week as I was thinking about the Great Commission. Uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We read it last week, but I'll read it again to you. Jesus says, this is just before he ascends. It says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Ryan's boys were prepared for the job that Ryan gave them. He wasn't with them, but he knew that they could do it. Jesus' disciples had been prepared by Jesus, right? They truly were his disciples. They had lived life with him over the past three years. He trained them. He taught them. He taught them from the scriptures. He modeled for them what they were to do, right? Throughout their discipleship, I'm gonna simplify the, the, the progression, but they watched him minister, right? And then he invited them to minister alongside him. And then you remember he, he sent them out to do ministry. Like he was training them. He was preparing them for this mission that he was going to give his followers. What did his disciples feel like in that moment? I don't know, as he ascended into the clouds and and their mission sunk in, I don't know what it was like. My imagination takes over and and I imagine what I would feel. I would be panicked, but I don't know what it was like for them, but I do know they took their mission seriously. These disciples gave up their very lives to make disciples. They certainly had dreams, they had ambitions before they met Jesus but those were abandoned for this new ambition of glorifying God by making disciples. A a Christian is a disciple of Jesus, and and God has made us in such a way that a disciple is a disciple maker, every one of us. Last week, I talked about uh, my lime tree and how much I love my lime tree. We'll talk about my apple tree for a moment, which I I actually don't love as much, but for this illustration, we'll pretend I love it. Um, So if you could interview my apple tree and, and I know that's a weird premise, but if you could, and, and you could ask my apple tree, hey, so what is, what's your goal, right? Like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you working towards here, apple tree? You'd probably maybe think, oh, well, to grow apples, right? Like, I wanna produce apples. That's what an apple tree does. But no, my apple tree would tell you, no, my job is to make more apple trees right? There's seeds in those apples. We cut them out and throw them away, but, but the apple tree is, is trying to produce more apple trees. People, we see that we were, were made to reproduce Christians. We were made not to just have children, but to make disciples. This is in, this is in our, our our DNA spiritually. So last week's question was, are you a disciple? Like, are, are you actually a disciple of Jesus? Are you living like one? Uh, there's this little diagram in your your bullets in here and i'll i'll run through it with you half of it i gave to you last week all, all the parts with words so on the left side at a 45 degree angle there it says previous and this is This represents previous uh, generations of Christians, Christians that have gone before us and they're discipling us from afar because we have uh, maybe their writings or we have their sermons or we have uh, biographies that others wrote about them and and we're, we're encouraged in our faith, we're challenged in our faith. They're helping us from afar without an actual relationship, they're helping us follow Jesus. And then on the right side, at the other 45 degree angle, it says current. So these are, these are also people discipling us from afar, but these are people that are alive right now, right? These are bloggers uh, or podcasters or, or maybe pastors in, in another city or state that are encouraging us in our walk with Christ. And then in the middle there from the top, it says with, These are people that you are connected to in life. These are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? That you go to church with, that you see regularly that are helping you grow in Jesus. You have a relationship with them. They know you, right? You know them. They they see how you live. They can ask you a question. They can challenge you on something. They can encourage you with something. Maybe they have your your number. They can shoot you a text or, or call you, invite you over. On the right and the left side, you see that it says uh, peer. These are, these are uh, peers that, that you, uh, you're in about the same place spiritually um, and you're encouraging one another. This is iron sharpening iron that you're doing together. And then below that, you'll see there are these blank circles and, and they would if the paper went on and on, these blank circles would go, on and on. These are, these are disciples that, that the disciple is making. They're, they're always multiplying, right? This is what God's people do. There's a, a multiplication. This is by God's design. Now, more often than not, when I've talked with uh, Christians uh, in churches I've been a part of about discipleship and how, how they've been disciple, I've had so many people that just kind of sheepishly look at me and say, I don't think I've ever been discipled. And over the years, I've gathered that what most people mean, or at least what I think they mean, is they, they haven't been through like a, an official program, or, or they haven't been through a class or a series of classes that, that, that was labeled discipleship. But if you are in the church, I, I would argue you've you've been discipled, whether you know it or not. Now, maybe if you only attend church services and you're not not you're part of the church life, then, then maybe you haven't been discipled, though I doubt it. But I suppose if, if, you, if you sneak in late as the song's already going so you don't have to meet as many people, and, and if you end like right at that last song so that you don't have to talk to many people, then maybe you have not been discipled. But if you've been in the life of the church, Right in the the community of uh, a body of believers, you've at a minimum experienced peer-to-peer discipleship. Right, people that you know, and you're encouraging one another. It's this mutual encouragement and following Jesus. Right, it may not be formal in any way, but but by the the work of the Holy Spirit in each of you you're challenging one another, you're encouraging one another to follow Jesus. If you're a believer in Christ, right, if you're his child, God has wired you to make disciples, whether you believe it or not. Right? If you're in fellowship in the body of Christ, he is using you in this way. And there've been times certainly when God has used you to help another Christian grow in Christ. And maybe you think that way and you're like, okay, uh, so, maybe I have been discipled, or actually, there have been even relationships of older believers in my life that have helped me, but, but maybe it's always looked to you like it was unintentional, like almost like an accident. Man, it is not accidental on God's end, it is not unintentional on God's end. He's been providing for you by His, his providence so that you would grow in Him. So, when people tell me they haven't been discipled, that have been in church for, for years, and, and clearly over the years have been growing, in Christ, I'm left convinced that, that we just think of a program. Uh, we think of a, a system. Um, we, we miss all these relationships that God has given us to grow us in him. If you are with us last week, I listed off all these guys in my life that have discipled me over the years. And I, I won't go through that again, but many of them sought me out. As I matured in Christ, then I started to seek some others out. But some of those relationships, I look back and uh, I had a couple guys in particular in my life that were very organized about how they were trying to help me grow in Jesus. We had a, we had a certain time we met. We had uh, a certain routine to what we did each Thursday as we got together. And, and then other guys that, that poured into me, it didn't feel like there was a plan at all. We were just walking through life together. They were pointing me to Jesus. Yes, they were purposeful in in Scripture they talked to me about. They were, were, I'm sure, purposeful and and prayerful in things they confronted me over, sins in in my life, that they saw ways where where I I needed to to be pushed. Um, There's no way I could have done it by myself. There's no way I could have grown in Jesus by myself. God used these different guys in my life to shape me. Right? They, they challenged me, they encouraged me. Um, each one of them had walked with Jesus longer than I had. Each one of them had, had, had learned lessons that I hadn't even come up against yet. They developed faith muscles that, that I was just beginning to exercise. They could see sometimes where I was stuck before I even felt stuck. We're made to have these relationships in the church. We're not meant to go through life solo. I had a good friend uh, in college, uh, his name is JJ, one of the most independent people I've ever met in his life. There's a long story to that that I won't tell you, but for some reason, it, it seemed like it, everyone in college, we all wanted, we didn't want an automatic. We, we all wanted to drive a manual. I don't know why, it was the 90s, we thought it was cool. And, and JJ, my buddy, didn't know how to drive one, but he wanted one so bad. And he didn't ask any of us to like help teach him. He was just determined he was going to learn. So he went to a car lot one day, and, and he he uh, I think it was a I think it was a Honda Civic that he wanted. That was a stick, and he told the salesperson like, "This is what I want." And salesperson "Oh yeah, we've got several of those. What color?" And they they go pick. He's like, "Do you want to test drive it?" My friend said, "Well, y- yes, but I don't know how to drive a stick. Will you test drive it for me, and I'll sit in the passenger seat? I don't know." I don't know if a car salesperson has had that happen before, but that's how my friend went about it. And he liked the car. He went back, bought it, and then on the way home, he tried to learn how to drive a stick. If you haven't driven a stick before, you kill it over and over again. I don't don't care who you are. like You kill it dozens of times. I'm sure my friend uh, said some interesting words on the way home as he was trying to drive this car, but man, this is not God's design for his people. God doesn't say, yeah, figure it out on the way home, good luck. He, he gives us people who by the Holy Spirit are helping us grow in Jesus. When we come to know Christ, when we are reborn, we become a part of God's family, right? And called also called the body, and the body actively cares for one another. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness there's to be in every church this inner connectedness in the body, mutually caring for one another, deeply concerned for our brother's relationship with Christ, our sister's relationship with Christ this is this is part of what it means to be a church is we we are in each other's lives we care about our discipleship to our Lord together. Jesus called his disciples and and right away, he told them that he was going to train them to be fishers of men in Matthew four. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He was going to make them disciples who would make disciples. And these men already knew how to fish, but but he he told them, no, you're gonna have a new target. You're gonna have a new goal. You're going to fish for men. Well, these guys knew that fishing was hard work and making disciples is hard work. It's not like fishing at the trout pond. I don't know if everyone's familiar with a trout pond, but it's where you take uh, usually a kid, hopefully, it'd be weird to take an adult there. You take a kid there um, and, and there are these massive trout and you throw a hook in and, and that hook could probably have anything on it. And that fish is gonna bite and they get to reel that thing in and, and, and it makes fishing look easy. Nah, fishing isn't easy. I mean, there might be days where you are just reeling in fish after fish, but, but it's a grind and making disciples, it can be a grind and some days you'll, you'll get skunked. But man, how good it is to help someone grow in Jesus. W- what a joy it is to help someone navigate through this, this younger brother or sister in Christ, navigate through these growing pains that, that you can remember when you first started following Jesus. What a joy it is to see them trust the Lord more and more in ways that just maybe a few months ago or a year ago, they wouldn't how good it is to see them wrestling with God's truth and in something maybe they, they couldn't believe just not that long ago. Today, that's what they're clinging to. It's what's getting them through day by day. It's good to help them grow in how God has created them, how he has gifted them. It's amazing to see someone that you're pouring into, to see them take these steps of faith, that they never would have dreamed possible not that long ago. To see them change in in ways that you recognize only by the Holy Spirit could this happen. So what does discipleship look like? And let me remind you of the definition that that we, we have for a disciple. So a disciple is becoming like Jesus in what you know, feel, and do, right? This is the whole person, it's, it's all of who we are. So if you're making a disciple, you're helping someone become more like Jesus in, in what they know, feel, and do. And this could be someone that doesn't yet know Jesus, right? they haven't given themselves to Christ yet, uh, or it could be someone who's been walking with Jesus for years and years. So what, what does it look like then? What does it look like to make a disciple? Does it mean you sit down and have a Bible study? Well, sometimes, yes, but, it, but it's never only a Bible study. Now, Scripture is crucial for every single disciple, right? We could go on and on about how uh, Scripture is described. The psalmist says that God's word is a lamp to my feet. Uh, we're told that, that God's word is, is our daily bread, like the manna in the wilderness, Jesus said this in uh, John 8:31 uh, to uh, Jewish people that have believed in him he said if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free to truly be a disciple of Jesus you must abide in Jesus word you can't abide in what you don't know. You can't make disciples without the word being central. So as you make disciples, God's word must be a part of what you are doing. I think of parents discipling your kids. And, and parents, if you, if you don't know this, this is your first, this is your primary responsibility. These are your primary disciples. So bringing them to church is good, but, but man, that is not all of discipling your kids. In your home, in everyday life of your family, you're to disciple your kids. Deuteronomy uh, 11, 19, God, he's talking about the the words that he's, he's told them. He says, teach your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So this means that we're, we're talking to our kids all the time. This means that we're, we're praying with our kids. This means we're looking for opportunities to tell them what scripture says. Uh, our family right now, we've been going through a devotional book together. Um, so we read a couple pages um, most nights. We don't, we don't do it every night. We, we do it most nights. And, and it's written for families, but it isn't written for our family. Right? We've, got a, we've got a span of, of 10 years between our, our youngest and our oldest. So on the fly, Lindsay or I, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we word this question? Or how, do we, how do we explain this concept? But it's been a way for us that's been helpful to get God's word into our families, into, into our daily routine, in, in, in addition to other ways that we talk about God. Other families will do it differently, right? Maybe mom or dad sits down at breakfast and for any other family will memorize scripture together. I remember as a kid, we were on a road trip to California, my dad's driving, and my mom had all these note cards that she wrote out with scripture on them. And and we were going to try and memorize scripture. And I say try, I don't remember if we memorized it on that road trip. I I, I know we worked on it, but I I don't remember exactly what those verses were. But but I tell you that because uh, especially parents, you hear me talk about like family devotions, maybe feel like a failure just sitting there going, I've never done that. My kids are growing up and we, we, we don't really do anything like that. I just encourage you to start something, pray about it. Certainly ask other parents, what do you do? But go for it. Even if you just fall flat on your face. I, I just heard a story about this uh, woman. She's a CEO, uh, some billion dollar uh, women's apparel company. So I didn't know of it because I'm not into women's apparel, obviously. Um, but her dad growing up, Every day, uh, he started this uh, when she was really young. He'd say, hey, what, what'd you fail at today? And she's like, oh gosh, what, well, I tried out for the talent show and I don't have the talent I thought I had. And, and dad's like, yes, and gave her a high five. Every day he'd ask her, what'd you fail at today? A- and if, if she didn't have something she failed at the day, that day, she was like, he was genuinely disappointed because he was shaping her. He was, he was helping reshape what she thought was success and, and pushing her out of her comfort zone and helping her understand how to take risks. So I encourage you, if you hear me talk about family discipleship or, or discipling another person, and, and you're just intimidated, man, don't be, God has made us to do this. And, and it's not like, like we have to grow up a long ways and then we're ready. No, we're, we're actually made to do this right away. So sometimes discipleship will involve a Bible study or a Bible read through. Uh, but maybe the person that God puts in on your heart, puts in your life, man, they're not ready for that. They're not ready to, they're not interested, I should say, in reading the Bible. But man, they have questions, right? They, they wanna understand how can evil exist and, and how, can be, how can God be good like you say? And, and, and so you have an opportunity to talk to them about scripture, even though they won't crack open that Bible with you yet. But for others, they're gonna be ready. They're gonna be ready to jump into uh, a Bible study or a Bible read-through. Uh, you guys know Ron Frost, I think Ron's right there. Ron Ron does Bible read-throughs with all kinds of people. And before I ever actually met Ron, I'd heard of Ron, his Bible read-throughs, and I heard this, and I, I love this. I heard that he, he says, that he, he holds the Bible out like a magnet and just sees who it will attract, right? He's, he's just inviting people a lot to, to do a Bible read through with him. And he gets plenty of people that say, yeah, I'm not interested. But he gets some people that, that take him up on it, even, even some who don't yet know Jesus. And we, we have this, this book, this ancient book, and yet it transcends all times and all cultures. It's just as relevant today in Camish in or Vancouver, Washu, wherever you live, as it was 2000 years ago in Ephesus. God describes the word as being living and active. It's, it's able to cut right into us, into our very soul. So Jesus commanded that we teach. We teach what he commanded. We teach everything that he said. But we gotta remember the end goal isn't teaching. The end goal is knowing and loving God. Making disciples isn't filling someone's head with knowledge so, so they could win at Bible trivia. No, it's, it's coming to know the God who loves them. So again, in, in 831 uh, of uh, the Gospel of John, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, the truth will set you free. Uh, A guy named Robert Coleman wrote a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism a couple decades or several decades ago. He said this about those verses. He said, Jesus did not urge his disciples to commit their lives to a doctrine, but to a person who was the doctrine. And only as they continued in his word could they know the truth. Why is the Bible so crucial to the disciple? Because it's God's very word to us. God is speaking to us. He reveals himself to us. We would not understand the devastation of sin. We would not know our offense and our rebellion against God if the word didn't lay it out for us. It is in this book that we come to know Yahweh. It is in scripture that we read the good news that Yahweh sent his son Jesus to lay down his life for us and that in him, we can have the forgiveness of sins if we will repent. He is what is true. The world has been filled with lies ever since Adam and Eve rebelled against God and yet we don't have to remain trapped by the lies of this world. We can be set free by the truth. Instead of remaining in lies, Jesus says, remain in me. We know truth by knowing the word of God. So does disciple making involve God's word? Yes, absolutely. But don't only think of sitting down and having a Bible study or doing a Bible read through together. That, that would make discipleship um, smaller than, than it is. And, and I'm not diminishing God's word by that. I'm just saying there's more to it. Disciple making means that, that you are in the life of the disciple and they are in your life. You're inviting them in. Mark three fourteen. It says, uh, Jesus appointed the 12 who he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So on this diagram, um, you'll see that the discipleship is up close. Those arrows are touching the disciple. Uh, Jesus invited his disciples to be with him, right? They had an up-close interactional relationship with him, right? They, they experienced Jesus through, throughout um, everything in life which means that disciple making takes time, right? There's, there's a sacrifice of time, an offering of time to the Lord. It means getting together. Uh, maybe it's over a meal, maybe it's coffee, maybe it's going for a walk, or, or maybe it's, maybe you just invite someone, you're, you're building a fence, and, and, and you invite this guy that you're pouring your life into, hey, come build this fence with me. You're just doing this thing that you're already doing, you invite him to be a part of it as you talk about Christ together. But life-on-life life life, discipleship can get messy. Right? Maybe a phone call or a text will come at a really inconvenient time. Or at times it might mean just dropping everything to go sit with them as they're, as they're in crisis over something. Or maybe it's fasting and praying for them without them even knowing that, that you are interceding on their behalf. But if you're trying to encourage someone in their discipleship, You're continuously thinking and praying about what they need to grow in Christ. The Holy Spirit leads us in this as we pray for them. He directs us, he he brings scripture to mind, he gives us words, he gives us courage to say words that are hard at times. We recognize that the Great Commission ends with Jesus saying, I'm with you. To to the end, I'm I'm with you. Jesus doesn't ask you to do something that, that he didn't do. And he isn't asking you to do it by yourself. My, my friend Ryan, as is, is he was getting loaded up in the truck and he tells the boys to get that, that roof back on there, they were prepared, but he left them. He, he was not with them. And Jesus promised that he was with the disciples. As we've read in Acts, he, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Right? We've read incredible stories in the book of Acts. The same Holy Spirit, was with those believers, is with us today. And you might hear that you're to make disciples and you might feel like like a 10 year old, 11 year old boy looking up at an unfinished roof that dad just told you he needs to get put back on as the storm's coming in. You're not doing this by yourself. You aren't making disciples on your own. You aren't even choosing who to disciple on your own. The Holy Spirit is with you and empowers you for the job that God has given you. And he's given you also other believers in your body that have done this, that have helped other Christians grow. Uh, on the diagram, you, you notice it, the, the one circle says disciple, and then it goes down to the next level two circles, and then there's four beyond that, but none of those are filled in. And what I, what I want you to do sometime today, maybe tomorrow, is I want you to think about those next two circles. And who, who can you pour into? Who can you disciple in Jesus, help them grow in becoming more like Jesus in, in, in what they know, feel, and do? And maybe you already know, like maybe maybe you already have two people that you're pouring into, or, or maybe you, you haven't been pouring into these two uh, people, but you know that, that God has put them in in your heart, in your path, and, and your job is to disciple them right now. If you don't know at all, man, I encourage you to start praying. Who's God placed in your life that he might, ask, he might be asking you to make a disciple of? And where do they need to grow? What, what do you see that God has gifted you in in, in making disciples? I didn't talk about this, but we, if we're not making disciples, it means we have excuses for why we're not. So maybe that's something that you need to wrestle with the Lord with. What's holding me back, God, is it that I don't trust you is it that I'm not confident enough in how you've made me? Is it that I don't see how I fit into the body of Christ? Is it that I'm, I'm not even growing myself? I'm not in the word. What is it that holds you back? But, but I do want you to consider who, who God has for you to, to help make a disciple of. Let me pray. Jesus, we love you, Lord. I, I thank you that we could be out here. I thank you that it's not as hot as we thought it was going to be today. Lord, I, I thank you that that you you have entrusted us with making disciples all over this planet. And and certainly on our own, we could never do that. And and yet we are not on our own. You you are with us. You're with us. And and Holy Spirit, you empower us. And I I pray that we would trust you in that. I pray that we would be excited, Lord, that we would trust you, that that we would recognize that that this is the job you've given us. And and it's it's not just... It, it, you telling us it is certainly enough, but God, we get to do this. We get to help people come to know you. We get to help people that do know you grow in Jesus. Lord, that is a joyful assignment. So Lord, I, I pray that you would grow us in that, God, that we would be a church of disciple makers who make other disciples, Lord, and they would just keep going. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.